You need to shave, my friend. You know, at times, I forget how much you've grown. At times, I still see the small boy from the cupboard. Forgive my mawkishness, Harry. I'm an old man. You still look the same to me, sir. Just like your mother, you're unfailingly kind. A trait people never fail to undervalue, I'm afraid. The place to which we join is tonight is extremely dangerous. I promise you could accompany me, and I stand by that promise. But there is one condition. You must obey every command I give you without question. Yes, sir. You do understand what I'm saying? Should I tell you to hide, you hide. Should I tell you to run, you run. Should I tell you to abandon me and save yourself, you must do so. Your word, Harry. My word. Take my arm. So I thought you couldn't operate within Hogwarts. Well, being me has its privileges. Well, the color scheme of this movie was green, if you notice. Mm -hmm. If you have the Half-Blood Prince book, the color scheme of the book is green. Yep. Um, this book and this movie is very much about Voldemort's history mm -hmm. and how he is the heir of Slytherin. Mm -hmm. But we're going to get into a lot of that information. Uh, probably try not to harp too much on individual scenes. Yeah. Uh, just kind of blow through what we can here. Um, you know, it's funny because this this movie, I was watching it and like I haven't read the books in a long time, and for some reason I got like random like flashbacks of like different parts of the book that were like that like contradicted parts of the movie, and it's weird because it's like it's like I said like I've had a problem remembering parts of the books from previous episodes. You're like this but, never happened. Yeah. So, so, what would be a good example of that? I've got a couple, actually. All right. Well, let's hear them. Well, let's see. Let me look at my notes real quick. Um, so, the first thing that I noticed was, um, you know, when Harry is on the train eavesdropping on Draco, mm -hmm. um, it was Luna who revealed, or found out that Harry was still in the train underneath the invisibility cloak. On the mo in the movie, yes. Yes, in the movie. Right. Did, did I say in the book? No, I don't okay. know if you did, but I don't know if it was clear that you were talking about okay. the movie, so yeah. if, if it was, my bad. No, you're good. So yeah, in the movie, Luna is the one that finds him and uncovers him from the invisibility cloak. Correct. But in the book, I distinctly, I thought, like, I was like, I swear that Nymphadora Tonks was the one who actually found him. And you mentioned it, and we looked it up. And I was right. And that was, I was right. Like, I was like, oh my gosh. She said, hey, Ari, watch ya. Yeah. She says, watch ya. Which and means, then... What are you doing? Yeah. How you, how you been? How you been? And then a couple other ones. One of them... Um, in, the, in the book, I remember there were a lot more um, memories that... Dumbledore showed to Harry. We're going to get into those. Yeah. 
I don't remember exactly what kinds they were, but I swear oh, I, I just remember. I, I remember these memories. This book is probably it might be the book that I remember the best. Mm-hmm. This and Deathly Hallows, and yeah. maybe just because I read them last, mm-hmm. and they're freshly a, on your mind. Yeah, a couple or more times than the others, right. and everything. Yeah, uh, but I do remember a lot about this book and the and the next one, which we we yeah. can get into. But did you want to say anything in particular about that, or not necessarily? Just that there are a lot just, more memories. I just remember reading a lot more about you know them looking at the memories and talking about them. Um, whereas in this movie, they showed only like two distinct ones. But uh, yeah, and then let's see. What so, um, which we call it? Sorry, um, Daniel Radcliffe has gone on stated that he he didn't like his his performance in this. Really, he said he's just not very good in it. It's hard to watch. Hmm. So, I thought he was freaking fantastic. Yeah, yeah, that's me. But uh, he did all right. <laughs> I think the you know the weird the weird Felix Felices yeah. scene. Um, I think we both like the pincers. Uh-huh. The pincers. But it, he, I, I was confused about why his like personality was a little different. Maybe you just cared for him. Maybe that was why. But um, we're gonna get into the cast here in a second. But did you know that? Well, I guess we should. Uh, today we're talking about Harry Potter and the Half Blood Prince. <laughs> mm-hmm. This movie came out in 2009. It was again directed by David Yates, uh, same director of uh, Order of the Phoenix. And same director for the next two movies in the Harry Potter series, as well as the first three movies in the uh, Fantastic Beasts series. Uh, this obviously was written by J.K. Rowling, and we have him back. We have Steve Cloves back, the original transcriber, the original taking a whole story, this whole ass book, <laughs> and turning it into a two-and-a-half-hour movie. Not an easy thing to do, quite a task, I imagine. Do you imagine? Right. Uh, We have Daniel Radcliffe as Harry Potter again. Emma Watson as Hermione Granger. Rupert Grint as Ron Weasley. Michael Gambon as Professor Albus Dumbledore. We have, I think this goes in order of appearance. Um, So I'm going to try to skip a couple ones that we don't really need to talk about. Uh, Jim Broadbent as Professor Horace Slughorn. Mm -hmm. Bonnie Wright as Jenny Weasley. The amazing Julie Walters as Molly Weasley. Love her. Uh, Helena Bonham Carter as uh, Bellatrix Lestrange. Also, Timothy Spall as Wormtail. Alan Rickman as Professor Severus Snape. And many, many, many more. Mm -hmm. I'll go ahead and mention Jessie Cave as Lavender Brown because I think she was phenomenal in this movie. She was phenomenal in this movie it was just, it was sad that she was recast i don't think it was necessary but for what we got she was phenomenal i yeah. believe and you know about that right nope about the hell of casting <laughs> nope so the uh role of lavender brown was played by a black woman mm-hmm. or a black girl and um in this movie when lavender brown finally gets the spotlight and it's never really mentioned in the book one way or the other but she had always been played that way and then they turned her into a white girl with red hair right okay (laughs) or did she have blonde hair i can't remember anyways tragic fate for lavender brown in the Mm -hmm. future too i don't want to say what happens but i will say and spoil it a little bit for you just to give you a little make it a little juicy for what's coming she does die and she has a very tragic fate a horrible way to die oh yeah 
and we'll get into that in a couple movies from now. Mm-hmm. Um, wanted to say a couple more things. Um, Hero finds Tiffin, mm-hmm. the young boy who uh, Dumbledore met in the orphanage, mm-hmm. who played a young Tom Riddle. He's really cute. Or should like I say Tom Riddle Jr.? He was the nephew of Ray Fiennes, mm-hmm. or is the nephew of Ray Fiennes. He's really cute in real life. Like, and, but like, he's got that wicked eye, those wicked eyes he does. Like when he turns them on, just like his uncle. Mm-hmm. I thought he did really, really good job in he this did. movie. He played in like a romance movie called After. He did really, really well in that movie, too. After? Yeah. It's oh, a, yeah, yeah. It's I think I movie. heard about that. It's a good movie. Is it like When They Die or something? No. Isn't there like a... It's just a, it's a really dramatic love story. I love it, but... it's There's not like a trilogy for it or either... There's books, yeah. It's based off of a, a off of a book and everything, but uh, yeah, it's it's really good. Oh, okay. I really like it. I never read the books, but I don't know if I want to because the movies are kind of steamy, so I don't know if I'd want to read that. <laughs> so, <laughs> kind of steamy. I wasn't able to read uh that one movie, the uh the one with Anastasia Steele. What was oh, that? Oh, those ones. Yeah. Those were uh, Fifty Shades of yes. Grey. Yes. I wasn't able to read any of the Fifty Shades of Grey books. I like got into Good. the first book and I was like, okay, that's enough. Yeah, because that was P-O-R-N. Yeah, yeah. basically. Um, one more tragic thing about this. Mm-hmm. Oh, Marcus Belby. The, the guy who was shoveling tons of ice cream uh, into his mouth and everything at the dinner. Here. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, he had invited, obviously Slughorn invited him, hoping that he had connections to some famous family member. And uh, he's like, no, me, he and my dad don't get on. As he's like shoving ice cream in his mouth. Mm-hmm. Well, that was played by a, a guy named uh, Robert Knox. Uh, Robert Knox died at the age of 18. Mm. Before, you know, just a few, uh, maybe a year or two after this. That's true. Um, he was actually stabbed outside. The Metro Bar in Sidcup, Southeast London. Wow. Uh, he had interve- intervened in a fight to protect his 17-year-old brother, Jamie, who was being threatened by a man with two kitchen knives. Wow. So he died a hero. He did. He did. And uh, Terrible way to go, but honorable way to go. Yep. It's terrible, though. Carl Bishop was the, uh, the perpetrator. Uh, he was charged with murder. Good. Uh, he was found guilty of murder in March 4th, 2009. So this wasn't too long after this this uh, movie released because this released in 2009. So, I mean, they must have arrested him, charged him, all that kind of stuff. Um, he did receive a life sentence with a Good. minimum of 20 years before being considered for parole. So, uh, well, hopefully poli- he doesn't get that. Yeah, police reported that he showed no remorse for the crime. So, anyways, that sad bit of news to introduce us to what some consider to be the saddest book up until the next book. Right. Um, so far, so far, we've had the introduction of Harry Potter, and we've had all the people, including his parents, that have died in the past. Um, and then we had Chamber of Secrets. Not much happened there. We found out about Moaning Myrtle, but not really sure what happened with her. In part three... I don't think anybody died in that movie either. Found out more secrets and everything. But then we have um, Cedric Diggory dying in part four. We have Sirius Black dying in part five. Uh, was there somebody else that died in part five too? 
I can't remember. I don't think so. And then in part six, we have the granddaddy of them all. Kind of literally. Well, I guess he's not a granddad. Looks like a granddad. He does. Um, he's everyone's great granddad. Yep. Lord Voldemort is tightening his grip on the, uh, the wizarding world, and now it's spilled out and broken into the muggle world as we see a bunch of Death Eaters that are flying around this bridge that didn't exist back in 1996. <laughs> and this movie takes place in 1996. Uh-huh. A lot of people don't know that. The Harry Potter stories take place in the 90s. I believe when Harry is 11 and his first year of Hogwarts, that's 1991. Correct me if I'm wrong. Um, but I believe this should be 1996. And that Millennium Bridge, I believe, was built in 2000. Mm. So incorrect but they just wanted something to stand out and everything so they bust through london they bust through the lakey cauldron that's in london Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. that's in london that's in london yeah okay (laughs) you'd say as good as last time but um so they break in and they find Ollivander's uh shop destroy it take him put a bag over his head and And your grayback we see his uh first appearance as he takes Ollivander out of there we do and we see him a couple of times throughout this movie. He's never really talked about or anything. But in the book, we do find out that this is the werewolf who turned Remus Lupin. Mm-hmm. And the reason he did was because back in the day, I believe it was Lupin's dad had some certain political leanings. And I don't know if Grayback just did this on his own or somebody asked him to, but he went to this person's house and attacked Remus, attacked his son. So then, then, you know, he would have to deal with the son being that way. So horrible, horrible stuff. Um, but we, yes, we see them all. They kidnap Ollivander. They destroy the bridge. And um, that has to be explained uh, later in uh, the, uh, what is it called? The book. If, you've, uh, if you read these books, you'll find that there's a whole scene that was cut out of this book at the very beginning instead of um, starting like that the book starts off with the regular prime minister the human prime minister Mm -hmm. and he's waiting for somebody and you get a sense that he's talked to the somebody before and the somebody makes him nervous and then you find out that this somebody is the minister of magic cornelius fudge um, and you find out that the prime minister of england when he was inaugurated and when he took office and moved into that that office and that house that that night he was immediately confronted with the Mr. Minister of Magic and uh, who introduces him to the magic world and says, hey, now that you're the minister, what you need to know is this. There are witches, there are wizards, there are dragons, there are goblins, there are uh, elves. There are all kinds of magic creatures, werewolves, all kinds of things that you guys never knew about. Yes, they're real, but we keep it contained. We keep it secret. Your job is to just do what we say so we can keep a lid on this. All right, peace out. And so he keeps getting visits like that from the the, the, the minister of magic. And uh, on this fateful night, he meets with him and uh, explains to him, "Well, there's an issue. Voldemort's back. Uh, we j- he's just attacked the ministry, and uh, Scrimgeour, this new guy named Scrimgeour, Rufus Scrimgeour, he's taken over as the minister minister of magic. And that's all you really need to know for this. Uh, we will." meet again and discuss Rufus Scrimgeour in our next in our next episode he comes to the trio and gives those uh, those guys something important but. does uh, Ollivander being taken get explained in the next few 
movies or is that just in the books? Does Ollivander gets get does it explain why he's taken? Why he's being taken, yeah. No. Um mm-hmm. they rescue him and then they find out that he was taken and through Harry's visions and stuff. They find out that he was taken because he has knowledge about wands and I kind of figured that, yeah. And uh, Voldemort's trying to find the Elder One. Yep. So, um, there's a quick little scene with a girl. I don't know. Do you want to say anything about this scene? Not really. I didn't care about this scene at all. It's just... Uh, just Harry getting out there. I guess so. He's just riding trains all summer. Mm-hmm. I can't quite remember what he was doing in the book, but it wasn't this. Um, but... He does meet with Albus Dumbledore, and uh, Dumbledore takes him with him to try to persuade our new professor, Professor Slughorn. Uh, This is a a guy, he is a a pretty popular wizard back in the day, and, uh, you know, he he used to be esteemed and respected and all that. Um, He's kind of on the run right now, hiding in little uh, hidey holes every week or two and moves because the Dumbledore, or the Dumbledore... The Death Eaters are trying to recruit him. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we assume he's being recruited to be the new Defense Against the Dark Arts teacher, as usual. So uh, they go into the house that he's supposed to be in. They find out that he's hiding. But uh, Dumbledore is basically the only reason he's taking Horace to, or Harry to see Horace, is because he knows how much Horace liked Lily. And he knows. That Horace really, really um, holds famous people in high regard. You know, he wants to be attached to all these famous people. Mm-hmm. And that's all he cares about is fame and, and power and being the guy that knows everybody, right? And that's his claim to fame. So um, Dumbledore obviously needs something very important for from Horace and uses this opportunity to say, hey, come to Hogwarts. You'll get a little protection. There's no other place that's safer. Nobody wants to come here. Um, and uh, we'll keep you safe. And um, you can take a job. Help me out. Uh, but what he's really thinking in his head is we need something. He doesn't want to give me. He knows that I'm going to try to get it. But I'm going to use Harry to entice as a, as a him to come back. In a way. Yeah. So anyways, he says no, of course. And then he says yes. And uh, the scene takes entirely too long in the book. Um, but it's interesting. It kind of gives you a brief semblance of he has very high respect for uh, his mom, and he's not like uh, Slytherins that you've met before because he says, you know, even he, he kind of almost says her being a half-blood is a, like a, kind of a disadvantage, and Harry tries to defend her by bringing up Hermione, and um, he goes, no, 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 don't, 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 you know, misconstrue what I mean. I, I don't, don't take Think offense. I love her. You know, yeah, I'm not prejudiced. Uh, you know, I loved her, and, you know, she was one of my favorite students and everything and showed a picture of her and everything. So uh, pretty cool. But then uh, Dumbledore takes, uh, tells Harry that Horace is going to try to collect him. And uh, Harry goes, okay, well, I don't really know why I was along for this trip, but... He's uh, like, what the hell does collect me mean? It's been fun. I guess we'll talk about this later. And before he knows it, he's dropped literally dropped into a swamp outside of the Weasley uh-huh. house. Dumbledore is a dick. <laughs> what is his problem? Straight in the middle of the water. That's messed up. He could have dropped him off somewhere dry, but no. And then when the Weasley's like, why didn't you tell us he coming? He goes, I didn't know. I Dumbledore. Did. <laughs> and he goes, oh, that man. 
What would we do without him? Foreshadowing. Mm-hmm. And as you walk over, as Harry walks over to the burrow, he looks up into the window and he sees Ginny sitting, reading a book or something like that. And you see him smile. Doing something and you're stupid like, by the like, window. And uh, that whole shot there I thought was really cool. I liked, uh, you know... The stairs. Jenny first seeing Hedwig and then oh. looking up and he's like, Mom, uh, where's Harry? She's like, who? Harry who? <laughs> Harry Potter, of course. How many Harrys do people, right. these people know? And then just how it's like one thing after I think I'd know and then suddenly you hear an owl and then uh, Molly kind of perks up and then Ron comes up and he's like Harry did somebody say Harry mm-hmm. <laughs> then Hermione pops up it's just a really cool shot in the way it's all looking up Mom Ginny what is it I was only wondering when Harry got here what Harry Harry who Harry Potter of course I think I'd know if Harry Potter was in my house wouldn't I there's trunks in the kitchen and his owl but no dear I seriously doubt that Harry, did someone say Harry? Me, Nosy. Is he up there with you? Of course not. I think I'll know if my best friend was in my room, wouldn't I? Is that an owl I heard? You haven't seen him, have you? Apparently he's wandering about the house. Really? Really? Harry! I will say that in this moment, Ron takes the opportunity to wipe a little toothpaste from the corner. Mm-hmm. Of the mouth, oh, foreshadowing. So. Foreshadowing. So, uh, Harry reunites with them, um, and uh, they uh, look at the newspaper, they talk about Dumbledore, and there's a little foreshadowing even more when you see a picture of Ron, of, of Draco, and the, the, the paper slowly is engulfed in flame. Mm-hmm. So, then what happens? Then you see... It's um, time for the joke shop. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, that is then. Never mind. Yeah, you're yeah. right. So we go to the joke shop, and I think we neither of us wrote anything down because we were just having fun looking at the joke shop. It was shop. fun. It was great seeing uh, Fred and George doing what they are doing, and really you wouldn't see them for the rest of the movie, but they pop up again at the borough at Christmas right. time for whatever reason. And it didn't even seem like Christmas time at the borough. Uh-huh. So it, felt, it seemed like it was Halloween because everything was dead, but there was no snow. Mm-hmm. I mean, it snows everywhere in England right. for the most part. I'm your brother. 10 galleons. (laughs) Yeah, he's like, how much for me? Five galleons. I'm your brother. 10 10 galleons. galleons. (laughs) That's pretty funny. Yeah, poor Ron. He has his his brothers there, and he's like, yeah, everybody loves my brothers and their joke shop, and he can't get a leg up on any kind of discount. But they basically tell Harry, anytime you want, and this isn't in the movie, but it's in the book. They basically tell Harry, anytime you want, you can come in here and do whatever you and take whatever you want. Mm-hmm. And what a lot of people don't know is that um, Harry won a significant amount of money in the Triwizard Tournament. That was one of the prizes. Yep. And he donated that to Fred and George, and gave it to them for their joke experiments that mm-hmm. they did in order of the Phoenix. And once they got all that mastered and everything, then they started their own shop. I can't remember where the money was coming from, but I have a feeling. It had something to do with Harry as well. Yeah. But either way, they owe him a lot. And so they basically said, anything you want is yours, you know, right. as far as we're concerned. <laughs> Ron, you still got to Ron was just Ron. a dick the whole movie. So Ron's like, like, I really hate Harry. You get Harry. double the price, so. <laughs> I'm surprised, like, Ron doesn't hate Harry so much. His brothers, his mothers, they all treat him way, uh-huh. way better than they do Ron. Yep. Poor guy. Um, so they, um, they leave the joke shop because Ron's salty. 
but not before they do you see all the girls hanging around the love potions mm-hmm. which is interesting uh jenny was asking about it you get a little you get a little foreshadowing there they're talking about uh dean and his attraction to jenny and um you know hermione's kind of interested in the love potion and then she catches cormac's eye and is like okay whatever and then you see romilda vane and a couple other people including lavender i think all by the love potions so it's it's the girls are 16 they're all boy crazy ever since movie four i think so uh we leave there and uh we see drake and mommy Mm -hmm. drake and drake's mom draco and drake draco's mommy uh, they follow him to Berg- Borgens and Burks, which um, you get more in the book. I don't know if we've talked about him, but in the movie when he uh, threw the flu powder in Chamber of Secrets and he goes, diagonally, and they're like, did he just say diagonally? Mm-hmm. Um, and then he transported to some place in Nocturne Alley where yep. Hagrid found him. That place where he got transported to, that's Bur- Borgen and Burks. Right. So um, they, tr- they follow him there and they see them looking at this cabinet. And uh, before they can really see anything else, Fenrir Greyback steps in front of the window and they have to hide. And then he pulls the shades and they're like, okay, that was weird. What are they doing there? Mm -hmm. Well, Harry thinks that he's been made a uh, A Dumbledore. What is with it? The Dumbledore. I think it's all the (laughs) D-D-D-D-D-D-D-D-D-D-D-D-D-D-D-D-D-D-D-D-D-D-D-D-D-D-D-D-D-D-D-D-D-D-D-D-D-D-D-D-D-D-D-D-D-D-D-D-D-D-
boy. I can't change the Dark Lord's mind. But it might be possible for me to help Draco. Severus, swear to it. Make the unbreakable vow. <sighs> it's just empty words. He'll give it his best effort. But when it matters most, he'll just slither back into the hole. Coward. Take out your wand. See, Wormtail was part of the group that we saw in the flashback in the last movie that of James and Sirius that were bullying Snape. Mm-hmm. And now Snape just gets to bully Wormtail and trade him. I mean, everybody has to Wormtail his whole life. Right. That's just the nature of Wormtail. But it's kind of interesting to see that. But Narcissa is worried about her son Draco. Yep. And she wants Sirius to protect him um, and... You know, Bellatrix is like, it's kind of a, like an empty promise unless you do the unbreakable vow. Swear to it. Mm-hmm. Um, the unbreakable vow. Coward. Coward. The, the, the name and the word that Snape hates the most, he was called it in school, he's called it here, and he's called it at the end by Harry as well. Yep. And it's the word he hates the most. And we need to find out if it's apt or not apt. Right. Will you, Severus Snape, watch over Draco Malfoy as he attempts to fulfill the Dark Lord's wishes? I will. And will you, to the best of your ability, protect him from harm? I will. If Draco should fail, will you yourself carry out the deed the Dark Lord has ordered Draco to perform? I will. Send for you muggles who don't know what uh, happens if you break the unbreakable vow. You just, you know, you die. In the words of Ron, you die. Mm -hmm. That's all he had to say. Yep. So, um, obviously, Ron and Hermione doesn't believe Harry. So he gets up off his seat on the train. It's like, I need to go get some air. So he goes and throws some Peruvian uh, black powder, darkness powder, whatever. Turns the whole room dark. He got it at the joke shop for free from Fred and George. And he quickly goes in there with his invisible cloak and gets up on the luggage rack above where Draco's sitting listens to Draco talk about he's not going to be here next year. Hogwarts pathetic yeah, excuse for school. Like he uh, it, it's laughable for him to think that he would have to be here for another two years. So he basically says look, let's just say I won't be in charms next year. Mm-hmm. You know, So you get the sense, okay, he's got something big coming up. Something to where he won't need to or won't be able to come back to this school. Yep. But you can tell he's still putting up a front because he, um, Tom Felton does a great job here of basically the whole movie showing that he's angry and he's doing this, but there's just a hint of fear behind every look until 
right at the end, it just slowly, every time you see him, you get more and more fear in the face than the anger. Until by the end, when he's walking up on the observatory, he's just petrified. Oh, yeah. And his transformation from that car scene to the end when he was angry with but you saw just the slightest bit of fear in his face and the way he was able to convey that and slowly switch it over to all fear um, I thought it was pretty good by him yep he's cute I mean a good actor <laughs> he's a really good actor <laughs> so good um, so he goes in there and he tries to spy on them tries to hear what they say they park at Hogwarts he's like hey I'll be with you guys in a second pulls down the blinds and he says, didn't your mother ever teach you not to spy on people? To eavesdrop. eavesdrop. Yeah, and then he turns around, put your fingers to tell us. Mm-hmm. So he freezes Harry. The cloak comes off, and he says, oh, yeah, she was dead before you could wipe the drool off your chin. Harsh, Draco. Sick burn, bro. We're getting harsh now. And in the book, it, show, it says that Harry has never been as angry at Malfoy Ooh, as yeah. he was when he sat in that He couldn't do anything. That's right. Um, in the movie, uh, Luna comes and finds him because he's got rack spurts all over his um, ears. And, uh, his head. It's left kind of ambiguous in the books whether you can actually see those things, but it actually shows us in the movie that Luna and them aren't crazy because right. they're right there. But in the book, as you said, it was Tonks. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, they got um, Order of the Phoenix up on the trains now. That's not going to last for long. <laughs> they're about to all have to go into hiding and everything. But... Yeah. Um, he gets back inside and uh, approaches the table and... Uh, Will you stop eating? Your best friend is missing. Oi! Turn around, you lunatic. He's covered in blood again. Why is it he's always covered in blood? This looks like it's his own this time. So the next day, um, real quick, this when he gets to the Great Hall, um, Dumbledore has a speech. As you know, each and every one of you was searched upon your arrival here tonight. And you have the right to know why. Once there was a young man who, like you, sat in this very hall, walked this castle's corridors, stepped under its roof. He seemed to all the world a student like any other. His name Tom Riddle. Today, of course, he's known all over the world by another name. Which is why, as I stand looking out upon you all tonight, I'm reminded of a sobering fact. Every day, every hour, this very minute, man, Dark forces attempt to penetrate this castle's walls. But in the end, their greatest weapon is you. Just something to think about. Now, off to bed. Pip, pip. You know, Dumbledore often has his speeches at the beginning of the year. This one is just so ominous because he's he rarely speaks Tom Riddle's name. Yep. The only ever t- uh, the only time he ever spoke Voldemort's name to the school, he called him Voldemort. That was after Cedric died. Um, but then he said Tom Riddle, and everybody started whispering. I thought it was kind of a big secret that Tom Riddle was Voldemort, or at least, you know, I don't know. I guess it's not a secret. It's just a secret to the younger generation. 
but I always just thought that that uh, it was very ominous, right? Mm-hmm. And he's got a whole, he's talking to like a whole hall of kids, right? Mm-hmm. And warning them, right? Mm-hmm. I don't think he is. Right. He's talking to one person in that room. Who's he talking to? Who do you think? Harry or, or Malfoy. I think he's talking to Draco. Yeah. Because all the things he's saying, you know, he's basically saying, look, there was this guy here and he, he finishes this speech. He starts a speech in the Great Hall. There was this guy named Tom Riddle and he walked these halls and blah, 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 blah. And then up in the observatory tire, it's like he's talking to Malfoy again and he finishes that thought. He made all the wrong choices. You have the opportunity to make the right one and not destroy your life and destroy your soul like he did. You know, I feel like he's speaking to Draco and he's just as worried for Draco's soul as he is for Harry's. He mm-hmm. knows what Harry's fate is and ultimately what it's leading to. But he's worried that Draco is going to be lost forever. Yeah. And you can kind of see, you know, Draco pondering his thoughts after hearing all that. Whether he Yeah, at first actually, he was just like not listening. But Yeah. Whether he was actually listening and taking all that in and you know really thinking about it i'm not quite sure but it looked like he was you know because after everyone was getting up he was just still kind of sitting there you know his hand on his on his hand or whatever just like thinking and he looks just distraught yeah and dumbledore talks about how um the forces are trying to get in all the time we see a couple times in this movie death eaters hitting the wall the hell was their plan they think they could take on dumbledore i guess they were just trying to wreak havoc or whatever yeah maybe um but like Bellatrix does. But he makes the point that that the only way that they have to get in is you, is us. If we break down, or if you, Malfoy, you know, mm-hmm. feels like he's talking straight to, uh, to Malfoy. Yeah. So, uh, in a hilarious scene in the next scene, all students were going to class, and Ron and uh, uh, Harry have a free period, and they're standing around smiling like idiots. And uh, even McGonagall makes the point of, hey, you want to be an or go to uh, potions. Snape doesn't do it anymore, so you're fine to go to it. Take Ron with you. He looks far too happy over he there. He looks far too happy over there. You know, so uh, he was just probably going to get himself into trouble having all that free time anyway. So, so they go. Um, they come in the class. But, of course, they didn't get books because they didn't think we're there, they were doing potions because, according to Snape, they wouldn't be able to do potions this year. Uh, but something that we missed is at the announce the, at the announcements, uh, it's announced that Horace Slughorn is going to be new, the new potions master, not Defense Against the Dark Arts. What we thought, and we all always something always happens to the Defense Against the Dark Arts teacher every, every single, single year. year. But now he's decided to make Snape the Defense Against the Dark Arts teacher. So will something happen with Snape by the end of this movie? we'll have to see so um they go to the class and they don't have any books because they weren't going to go to the class Uh, so they go to the storage cabinet to grab books and there's a real nice copy and a real crappy looking battery battered copy hilarious what these two do look at each other straight in the eye they're thinking the exact same thing like that one's mine and then they instantly grab for it, and they're rustling around trying to grab it, causing and Ron's destruction. a little bigger and a little stronger. Uh huh. And he he grabbed it, and then he looked at Harry like smiling like, eh, and then Harry hits him with the other one. <laughs> Harry like, grabbed the crappy book and hits it. Mm-hmm. Um. So in the book, 
we see that Harry opens this up and it sees it's tattered, but it says, uh, this book is the property of the Half-Blood Prince. So in the book, we get the name drop and I believe here we get it. Um, it's just as he opens it and um, he gets, uh, he understands that there was somebody that had this book that understands potions better than whoever than the publishers of this book and is probably some type of a savant when it comes to um potions so um the teacher explains that he has a few different potions up there one of them is a very powerful love potion which hermione smells toothpaste on and as we mentioned before ron Mm -hmm. reached across and probably in one of the very rare instances of intimate skin contact takes his finger and wipes away the toothpaste from the corner of her mouth making her very very shy and get mm-hmm. get flustered and blushed mm-hmm. and she smells toothpaste do you notice what color was coming out of the cauldron when she smelled toothpaste was it it was orange bl- like ron's hair oh yeah that's what i noticed but anyways um so they um, once they look at all the potions, um, they, there's another one in a small little vial. And he says, this is Felix Felicius. Liquid luck. <laughs> they what? I said, liquid luck. Like yeah. Hermione. She goes, he goes, also known as, and she's like, liquid luck. It's like, yep. we, we laugh because we couldn't, because uh, it's like, she can't help, but just blurt out to yep. show that she knows it. Mm-hmm. Look at luck. So um, he said. And how this, did she know? I know. And, you know, in the book, I believe it was gold. Right. This this liquid luck was gold. clear. In this one, it's just clear like water. So how the hell would she even guess that that's <laughs> liquid luck? So maybe they're only putting, I don't know. That's stupid. Right. But um, he said, this is the prize for today. They're like, oh, we're going to learn how to make that? He's like, no, no, no. This is way too hard to make. <laughs> but this is the prize for today. And if anybody, whoever makes the draft of living death the best... Uh, we'll get this prize. Well, they go through all their stuff, and, you know, you got people messing up, melting their spoons. Seamus, I think, blows himself up again in the face. All kinds of things are happening. And each time, each time we cut back to Hermione, it's bushier and bushier and bushier, mm-hmm. and suddenly her hair's out like it out was of in control. season two, season yep. one. Season. Just <laughs> <laughs> book or movie one and two. Um, so... It's hilarious to watch that happen, and Harry is following the instructions given by whoever wrote in the book, not the actual book instructions. And uh, so when they deviate, like crushing stuff instead of uh, what was it? It was uh, cutting slicing it, it. Yeah. yeah, versus crushing it. He's you know, so all these little tips and tricks, and we're like, he, it's making it perfect. Right. And Hermione's getting more and more peanut butter and jelly. No, it specifically says to cut. <laughs> How did you do that? <laughs> Crush it. Don't don't cut it. No. no. <laughs> it's a missed no at all. It's Leviosa, not, not Leviosa. Honestly, Ron. <laughs> she really needs to sort out her priorities. She really needs to sort out her priorities. Or worse, expel. Uh-huh. So Hermione's being Hermione. Uh, Harry ends up making the perfect uh, draft of living death, to which the teacher replies to him, uh, I dare say one drop would kill us all. Uh And I'd be like, I need out of this room right now. (laughs) (laughs) Right. Give me the stuff, but then I need out of this room. Right. What the hell is wrong with this school? You guys always have us doing dangerous stuff that could kill us any second. Yep. Anyways, 
So he gets it, and he's very happy about it. What happens after that? Um, after that, uh, there is. Hang on, let me look at my notes. Cut this out. Oh, um, you know, yeah, yep, yep. It fast forwards to Quidditch tryouts. And as this has been going along, before we get there, every once in a while we get Lavender Brown pop into a scene. Hi, Ron. Hi, Ron. Hi, Ron. Hi, Ron. And then she goes away. So keep that in mind. Yep. So uh, you got these Quidditch tryouts, and then you have. Um, Rigged Quidditch tryouts. Yeah, right. Um, someone used a confundus charm, um, right. and then was like, "Like luck, different. You cheater!" And then she was a cheater. But um, what's his name that uh, likes Hermione? Uh, Marcus Belby, or is that the guy that ate a lot of ice cream? That's I think that's, that was the guy that's that the, ate the, a lot. Of, it started lot with of a C. Cream. It was. Uh, Cormac McLoggin? Something Cormac. We'll just call him Cormac. Yeah, Cormac McLoggin or whatever. Cormac. So uh, we see that Cormac is also trying out and Ron is trying out for the first time um, for Quidditch and everything. And, uh, you know, Cormac comes up to Ron and is like, you know, you should, you know, get me on a first name basis with Hermione, if you know what I mean. Um, And uh, he's a little like... Girl. Girl. <laughs> so yeah, that's that. And then uh, you know, they're they're up in the air and Ron looks real goofy in his hat, but you know, he's what what is he, a, a keeper? Uh or, yeah, or a, yeah, yeah, keeper. Um and uh Ron's doing he's doing pretty good and then uh Cormac is, you know, I think he's also a keeper. He's on the other side. Um he's a keeper. I mean, he's doing really well, and then Hermione decides to use a little confundus charm to mess him up. That's right. So that he doesn't feel as confident and get him off his high horse and everything, and that seems to work. Um, so. That's, yeah. That's that. Yeah. Um, let me see. Da, 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 da. Then they go to the, the bar. Yeah. So. Um, they go to the bar, and um, this is where basically Harry uh, tries to get in with Slughorn. He invites him and uh, Hermione to a dinner, and um, you know there's some awkward tension between Ron and Hermione. You know she's got little stuff on her lips, and he points it out, and she wipes it off, but she's like lo- looking longingly at him. Yep. And Harry's looking longingly at Ginny, who's in the back dark corner, making Dean out, Winchester, snogging. Er, not Dean Winchester. That's supernatural. <laughs> Dean Lord. Winchester. I don't even watch Dean Supernatural. Thomas. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Good Lord. You know that. I don't Demon know. Sam. I don't. I don't know these. So right. Dean Thomas, she's making out with in the back there. Yeah. And he goes. <laughs> I want to leave. Goes, I'd like to leave. I'd like to leave. <laughs> and he was like, that's my sister. And she was like, well, if she saw that you were snogging me, would you know? Would you make her? Yeah, and then like, afterwards, he's like, did you hear what she was saying about snogging me? As if. As if. So as they She's walk out, Ka- Katie Bell um, is lifted into the air. And this was a terrifying scene. Oh, my gosh. It was... It was a little creepy. I remember the first time I watched it. I was I was younger, but you know, not like super duper young. But it's it's still to this day like the music or like the eeriness behind and it. It's like they're doing the real loud music and like yeah. that, 
the echo scream yeah. from her where you can barely hear it, but you can it's you know it's loud. Freaking creepy. It is. Um, all we know is she went to the bathroom, and Draco also came out of the bathrooms and went outside, and that's what Harry knows. He knows that uh, Katie Bell went in there, Draco went in there, Draco came out, Katie Bell went out and went to her friend. They were walking in front of him. She lifts in the air, falls down. Hagrid says, don't touch her. Don't touch that either, except for the wrapping. So they bring it in, and we get the awesome line from McGonagall. Why is it when something happens, it is always you three? Believe me, Professor, I've been asking myself the same question for six years. Hilarious. Believe me, Professor, I've been asking myself the same thing for six years. <laughs> and so this is when Harry takes the opportunity to blame Malfoy, and Snape turns around like, oh, really? Prove it. Mm-hmm. And he goes, I just know. He goes, you just no. <laughs> it's like great evidence there. In his head, he's like, but you're But right. all he had to do was say, um... Well, he's talking about not coming back here, and he went into the bathroom with Katie Bell, and uh, Draco's a douchebag, and I don't like him, so mm-hmm. that's my proof. You know, the the uh, this this is the ambiance and slow and moving nature of this movie. is not It's definitely not a movie you want to show somebody to introduce them to Harry Potter, right? Because it's very weird. It is. And I don't know if a lot of... I, I know it's been ranked a certain way by like a lot of Harry Potter fans. You and I love this movie. Yeah. But it's different. Um, when he... Uh, when he... They have, they have a game, right? They have a Quidditch game, and Ron does amazing. But before they have the game, they're sitting at breakfast, and what happens? You know, he's a little nervous, and he's uh, freaking out, and... Uh Lavender comes up behind him and she's like, "You'll do brilliant. I believe in you." And he's like, something about he like he wants to quit or something along those lines, or he right. wants to leave. Right. Um, Everybody's making fun of him. Yeah, and he's like, "I hate this." And you know, I, th- I think Harry says something along the lines of like, "You just need some luck." Or I don't know if he, I don't even know if he said that. I he just says, know he gives well, him here, a drink. Have a drink, and he really holds it a really weird way. Yeah. He hands it to him, and then out of nowhere, just to take like settle the nerves. A breath or something. of fresh air pops in Luna Lovegood with her little lion. I love her. Oh my gosh, she's and so funny. It's not quite what I envisioned the lion thing on her head to look like because. They explained it a lot differently in the book and everything. Because she's Ravenclaw, right? Yeah. Luna is. Yep. But she wears, you know, a, a lion, which yeah. is typically you know, associated with Gryffindor or whatever. But um, it's just pretty It's pretty interesting. And in the book, they like showed kind of like the, the, the head almost looked alive. Like it made real sounds and everything. But anyway, she points out that Harry point, pour, poured something in. Uh, is that Ron's why you poured drink. something in his drink? Exactly, and uh, Ron goes, "I don't know what you're talking about." Or Harry does, and very obviously goes, "Like I don't know what you're talking about." Mm-hmm. Waves it kind of in front of him, but he had he to hide it really quickly before he yeah. saw that there was still s- exactly. So I put it in there, and <laughs> immediately Hermione's like, "Don't drink it," because of course Hermione says that, mm-hmm. and uh, so and of course Ron takes a big old swig mm-hmm. and is like, "Let's do this." His his face immediately lights up. He's like. Let's do this. Let's go. So they have the big game. He does amazing. They win. Everybody's chanting Weasley, Weasley, Weasley. And this is all in the book. It was great. Ron got his chance to shine. Another thing that happened in the book, there was no Quidditch in Order of the Phoenix. But in the book, there was. It's just that after he did what he did to... uh, uh, Oh, no. That was this movie. Sorry. No. In Order of the Phoenix, that's when Ron 
um, join the Quidditch team. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, there was a whole thing there, but uh, he he did a great. Everybody was chanting for Weasley. When they got back to the room, they were all partying and everything, and that's where Harry shows Hermione that he never actually put the liquid luck in his he drink. He just made him think it. Just made him think it after she was telling him how bad he was, and he was like, oh, really? Is that just like confunding somebody to help out Ron? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And uh, she's kind of like, oh, I guess I'm a hypocrite. And then when he shows her that none of it was gone. She's like, damn. Now you're not even a hypocrite. Now you're just the only one that did something wrong. (laughs) And you're trying to talk down to somebody else. Right. Shut up, Hermione. Right. And then to emphasize that point, Lavender Brown jumps up on the uh, podium. Pulls him down. Because she doesn't jump up um, uh-huh. and makes out with him and immediately. And, of course, Harry's like, ha you know, because he's not he's like, thinking. yeah, that's my boy. But Hermione is immediately devastated. And she yeah. walks, turns around, leaves. And then her, uh, Harry turns around and is like, oh, crap. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Of course. Mm-hmm. You know, and so she he goes and, hunt, you know, hunts her down and everything. And, you know, guys don't think about that type right. of stuff. Right. So he goes and, you know, she's real sad. And she's like, I know that you like Jenny. You see know, it in the way you look how, at her. Yeah, how does it feel when you see her with other guys, with with Dean and everything? And then in that moment, uh, Ron and uh, Lavender come in, and she kind of chases them off with birds and everything. And she starts crying again, and Harry's like, this is how it feels like. It feels like this. Yeah. But he keeps it more internal. So you see that Hermione is heartbroken and longing to be with Ron. And Ron kind of is too, but he's never been able to admit it. And Lavender made the first move, so he's just going with it. You know, for some reason they have him and Hermione have such like an antagonistic relationship. Yeah. Um. So uh, that's what happened. And meanwhile, you know, uh, Draco is still brooding wherever he's at. Um. But then it's time for Christmas, right? And they're talking about the unbreakable vow because that's what Harry just saw, right? He just saw, he just saw Snape uh, talk about how he had made the unbreakable vow, and he asked Ron about it, and Ron uh, was telling him about it. But as they are talking, Lavender stops by, and she's like, "Squeak, squeak, 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 squeak." She's right, you know, R and H, and then she's like. <laughs> does it again and she's like in tears because she has to be away from him and then walks away and while she's doing that Ron's looking like real awkward like yeah Harry's just messing with things up. yeah Harry's just kind of playing with the seat acting like he's like I really should he's not paying attention this. and I'm like so awkward and then really interesting. just to make it even better Hermione walks up like she was going to say something to him sees the thing that's been drawn in and the fog on the window and just continues walking you know, she looks at him like Oh, I hate you. <laughs> just keeps walking and everything. So that's hilarious. But yeah. while he's at home, um, he gets in a little argument with Lupin, and he's saying uh, Draco Malfoy is a Death Eater, and Snape is helping him. Of course, Lupin's like, "You have a grudge." Blah 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 blah. Arthur's more. I don't know. He's been with Harry longer, I guess. So he's more willing to trust Harry. And so he's like, yeah, so I did what you said. And, you know, there's a cabinet. It's still there at Borgen and Burke's. And that's just to let the audience know, hey, this cabinet's still there. And the one that we've seen Draco working on, maybe that means that there's two. Mm-hmm. So obviously uh, we get to the scene that is not in the book. And I think that this was just put in the movie to kind of amp it up. Most of the book relies on the memories from Dumbledore 
uh, and Harry, you know, uh, the, the memories of, of, of Voldemort. So they added the scene just to get a little bit more excitement in there. Um, they attack Harry. They attack um, Ginny. And, you know, it's just kind of a silly attack. And then they burn down the house. Nobody dies, but it's supposed to, you know, frighten you and everything. I thought it was a pretty good scene. And it was mm-hmm. a good way to lift it up and everything. So let's look at the first memory that we see. And that's when uh, uh, Dumbledore first meets um, Tom Riddle. He meets him in the orphanage. And this is the character or this is the actor that is the nephew of Ray Fiennes. And he does a fantastic job he of being amazing. super creepy. There's a doctor, aren't you? No. I'm a professor. And I believe you. She wants me looked at. I think I'm different. Well, perhaps they're right. I'm not mad. Hogwarts is not a place for mad people. Hogwarts is a school. A school of magic. You can do things, can't you, Tom? Things other children can't. I can make things move without touching them. I can make animals do what I want without training them. I can make bad things happen to people who are mean to me. I can make them hurt. If I want. Who are you? Well, I'm like you, Tom. I'm different. I can speak to snakes, too. They find me. Whisper things. Is that normal for someone like me? And sounding almost like psycho or sociopathic, he just has no emotion. emotion. Yeah, and he, you know, he's, he's just got like those eyes. Yeah, I can speak to snakes. They find me. Mm-hmm. Whisper things. You know, it's like yeah. he's just going ah. mm-hmm. like like just no emotion. So, um, basically, Dumbledore sees a picture of these rocky cliffs and everything, and uh, sets the cabinet on fire. In the in the book, it's a lot more drawn out. Dumbledore is talking about uh, he already knows that uh, Riddle keeps prizes from the people that he bullies. But you see this picture of the uh, rocks, or you know the end of that cliff that we see at the end, right? Well, um, let's talk about what they lead up to. Do you remember any of the? Uh, memories that they went through in the book. No. There are many different memories and stuff, but what I want to concentrate are on Voldemort's family because this helps explain the nature of Voldemort that I don't think a lot of people get. He is actually incapable of feeling love. Mm -hmm. This movie harps heavy on love potions, right? Mm -hmm. From, and you know, you're always, you always got something in this that mirrors something else from the past. One of these I'm going to get into that's that that just for some reason just hit me now. I mean, it hit me a while ago, but I had forgotten about it. Um, so we uh, we get into some memories in the book where it shows what Voldemort's mother was like, what Voldemort's uncle was like, and what Voldemort's grandfather was like. Um, do you remember these scenes? Nope. So you know that uh, place that they were in in Goblet of Fire where the cemetery was? Yeah. So that was a town. <clears throat> I can't remember what the town was called. But obviously you see Tom Riddle, right? In the grave. And then Tom Riddle Jr., right? Mm-hmm. And you hear Voldemort say, standing on the bones of my father. Mm-hmm. Right? 
So, um, there was a guy named Marvolo Gaunt, right? Um, he had a son named Morphin, and he had a daughter named Frickety Frack. I can't remember her name. But that was Voldemort's mother. Okay, so Marvolo Gaunt was proud because they were descendants of who? Salazar Slytherin. Salazar Slytherin. And to prove it, he had this ring. Mm-hmm. He had this green ring, right? What do we... And this was Salazar Slytherin's ring. It's been passed down to all Slyther, uh, Salazar Slytherin's um, um, descendants. What is that ring? It's the resurrection stone. Oh, that's right. Yeah, 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 yeah. Right? Yeah. So, that's what that ring is. That's the ring that... You know, we see Dumbledore have at the end of this movie, whatever. So he has this ring and he's so proud of it, right? And um, are you okay? (laughs) (laughs) Are you okay? Okay. So, anyways, um, this girl, the daughter of Marvolo Gaunt, right? That's his name. Whatever her name was, Gaunt. She used to see these re- these rich people that lived nearby. They used to ride horses by, right? And there was this guy, and he was this very handsome guy, and his name was Tom Riddle, right? And he was very rich and all that. She always dreamed of being with him. Well, guess what she did one night? What? She got a love potion, gave him a love potion. That's right. I remember that. They made love. They and conceived they were conceived. Mm-hmm. Voldemort. They conceived Tom Riddle Jr. On she fake got love. He conceived that while he was on Love Potion. And what Love Potion does is it takes the place of real emotion, of real love, for a fake love. That's why in a lot of these... These stories and these movies and stuff, you can, you like the genie or whatever it is, you can't replicate real love. And because all emotion had been taken out of Tom Riddle and replaced with fake emotion, he wasn't able to pass any on. And therefore, Voldemort is incapable of feeling love because of how he was made, how he was created, the obsession of his mom. And when, um, when, he finally came out of the stupor. They like kept that family clear of them. I can't remember exactly what happened, but I think Marvolo Gaunt got into some trouble when he tried to go attack him. He might have even killed Tom Riddle Sr. But he ended up going to Azkaban or Morphin did. There was one person left in that um, that place because when she gave birth, she gave birth to Tom Riddle Jr. And it was given to the orphanage by one of them. Mm-hmm. Um, when Tom Riddle grew up in the the, um, the orphanage and then grew up through Hogwarts, he was able to actually track down who his mother was, who his father was. He found out he was descended from Salazar Slytherin. There was some other person there, I believe it was Uncle Morphin, who was still defending the house and he had the ring on it. And um, he, uh, he fought with Morphin and he killed Morphin, his uncle, and he took the ring... And that's how he kind of found out about himself and moved on, right? And then he knew he was Tom Riddle Jr., but he didn't want to be attached to this 
that's when that's why he's half blood too. He didn't want to be attached to this muggle father. He didn't want to be attached to this terribly poor family, but he did want the prestige of being descended from Salazar Slytherin. Is that how you can cut this part out if you need to? Um, but is that how he was able to attach the Horcrux to that ring when he killed? So, well, it's something that we'll probably get into more in the next book, but just to give one little preview, I don't think there's anything wrong with that. Um, you guys are going to find out more what Horcruxes are in our next episode. But for right now, the um, the ring is made into something called a Horcrux, and it's very important to Voldemort. And when he makes the ring into a Horcrux, he buries it underneath the floorboards of the little tiny shack that his mom and um, Marvolo and Morphin all lived in. I think your name started with an M. Can't remember, but um, he buried it there. So every time he got something important, he buried it in a special place. With the locket in this movie, that was the place where he was able to use his powers, you know, before he had a wand. Remember, he used to be able to manipulate the kids. When they weren't in the building, they were out on field trips. He could corner a few, get a few isolated and bully them and do what he wanted, use his powers. That was his place where he took trophies from his victims from doing all this kind of stuff, and he would bury them or he would keep them and everything. And that's when Dumbledore said, you can't, you know, thievery isn't allowed at Hogwarts. You must give all these back, all these things back. And, of course, he did it. And uh, after this, um, Tom Riddle became the most behaved child at Hogwarts because he did not want to be kicked out. So, and he wanted to charm everybody. He understood he could charm people. So, um, so anyways, he, he went back whenever he had that locket and he put that locket in that same place where he first exerted his power over other people. So it's all about having a place. You know, there's one that he has uh, in a bank that we learn about. And that's because he was poor. He never had any money. But the, the Gringotts was such a wizard institution. He wanted something there. And so he put one of his horcruxes there so he could tie himself to all the important magical things. Do you understand what I mean? Yeah. So anyways, those are some of the visions that we got to miss um, where uh, basically Dumbledore wanted Harry to understand um, what happened with all this. And, you know, they, they talk more about Borgen and Burks and how he charmed some woman that worked uh, that, that wanted to sell her stuff at Borgen and Burks. Because I think he used to work there, too. Um, there's a bunch of different uh, visions. But I think those are the most important to understanding the character of Voldemort, where he came from, and all that kind of stuff. Um, it all comes to a point when <coughs> he shows Harry a memory. And it shows Tom Riddle coming into his office after he's together with some other boys and alone. And he asks... Slughorn a question but they can't hear what the question is because the memory's been messed with so that's Harry's mission right yep so that's why he wants him to be collected so one of my favorite interactions is between uh, Harry when they come out of the the orphanage memory and Harry says to Dumbledore did you know sir then did I know I just met the most dangerous dark wizard of all time? No. 
if I had. And just like something so ominous about seeing that interaction and thinking about how he became Voldemort, feared by everybody. And he was just this boy. And if uh, Dumbledore had just gone and determined that the boy was not right and shouldn't be be trained, then, you know, maybe something different would happen, you know? So, basically, uh, Harry gets back to the room and finds Ron on the floor looking out the window dreamily, and he's got wrappers all over his room, and he's like, you know, I'm in love with her. And he's like, I thought you... Uh, He's like, have you ever actually met her? And he's like, who are you talking about? And he's like, who are you talking about? And he's like, Romil Devane. Well, they find if if you, you find out, and you know, Hermione warned Harry about this earlier in the year that you know <laughs> that Romil Devane was trying to get with him and all that kind of stuff because he's the chosen because she thinks that he's the chosen <laughs> one. He's like, oh, I am the chosen one. <laughs> it's like, okay, sorry. Um, so Romil Devane has given them chocolates and uh, given Harry chocolates and it's a love potion inside of the chocolates and Ron unfortunately has eaten them he's seen Romil Devane's card so now he's in love with far too many way too many but you know he was feeling hungry and it's Ron you know he Uh never stops eating Uh so um, he ingests the love potion Ted for Harry so Harry takes him to Slughorn and remember all this time Harry keeps going to Slughorn trying to try different angles to get Slughorn to give them the real memory uh, or not a censored memory I guess so Slughorn invites him in makes up a antidote gives it to Ron and it slowly takes effect and now Ron's back to being regular Ron he's like well I feel like crap (laughs) and like okay well you're you're back to it and then Slughorn's like okay well let's have this to celebrate Mm -hmm. for whatever reason they all cheer as well uh, Horace and, and Harry do, but uh, Ron just wants to get the alcohol in him, so he takes a sip, and he immediately drops. Starts foaming they at realize, the mouth. They realize he's been poisoned. And um, if you notice, in the classroom uh, a couple of days earlier, he had said something about, we'll get to Bazaar's next week yep. before this happened, right? Mm-hmm. So uh, he's being poisoned, but uh, Slughorn is just too shocked to do anything. He's just terrified and is just watching this happen and watching um, Ron slowly die basically and Harry has to act so he Slughorn just stands there he doesn't do anything he's like do something and he's just like I don't know so he has to do it himself (laughs) yep so he goes to Slughorn's little suitcase and pulls out to find some Bazaars now do you remember Bazaars in this Harry Potter series no okay so it was funny because Slughorn said we'll get to Bazaar's next week, but in the very first book, in the very first potions class that um, Snape gives Harry, just to humiliate Harry, what does Snape teach about? Something that will counteract all poisons is to take a Bazaar, which is a stone that's inside of like a goat's stomach or whatever, and you shove it down the person's throat. And for some reason, I don't know if it'll absorb it, but that is what will will counteract any type of poison in the most part. So he, it, it was actually Snape that saved uh, Ron's life that night by teaching that or whatever. But, you know, Harry remembered it. So I just thought that was kind of Surprise. a cool little callback 
because it was like, oh my gosh, that was from like the first lesson of the first book of, of potions was the bazaar and the, the, the stomach and everything. So it might have been one of those things that Snape was throwing out there just to, to humiliate Harry because he knew Harry didn't know the answer, even though Hermione did. And she was breaking her arm, raising her. Yeah. Anyways, uh, whenever, before that happens, uh, uh, Ron goes to sit on the back of the couch and he falls off. They both look at him. That's a complete mess up. He meant to sit on that couch, but he went, his butt went too far back and he just dropped. (laughs) And, uh, right as they looked right before the camera cuts away, they looked back and then they just started laughing because Uh that wasn't supposed to happen. Yeah. So now he was up on the back of the couch. So I'm sure they had a pad back there just in case he did fall or whatever. It worked but perfectly. I just thought it worked perfectly the way they looked perfectly. It was great. And then, you know, Harry wakes up and he's like, these women, they're going to kill me, Harry. Mm-hmm. So um, he's in the refirmary recovering from it. And this Your is the most favorite awkward, scene. cringeworthy scene that I literally can't even look at. He had I'll to close his eyes. It, but I put my hands in front of the, the screen because it's so cringy and awkward. I can't watch it. Um, it's it's not just what's going on with her going, one, one, I'm here, I'm here, you know, and trying to get Lavender, uh, trying to get Ron to wake up and everything. And you just look at Snape, Dumbledore, McGonagall, all, and uh, Slughorn, just look at their faces and they're all just like, why are we in this scene? I don't know why we're here. Why didn't we leave once the girls showed up? This is really weird. It felt like they stayed around too long, and it was like the director didn't even notice that they were there, but they had missed their cue to like leave the scene right. like five minutes ago. It was very weird, and I just can't watch it. But in trying to get Ron to wake up, he starts making the noises, and she's like, see, he knows I'm here. And they listen closer and closer, and you hear, uh, my name. and she storms off lavender brown gets so upset um now really what happens later on this is when he's taking the felix felicis he gets under his invisibility cloak is in the book and they go there in the common room which it wouldn't be a bad thing but because they can't see she can't see harry when lavender walks in she can't see harry uh, she doesn't know that he's in the room, so she just assumes that Ron and Hermione are in together, and that's when she dumps Ron. And so. yeah. But anyways, this is this is where they kind of break up, and uh, he finds out later at, at breakfast and everything uh, that, yeah, she's digging the spoon. <laughs> she looks so pissed. This is what I'm saying. This actress was amazing. She did a terrible, I mean, amazing job of just looking so terrible. Just digging her silverware. Poor girl. There. And he's like, what happened? He's like, because she's staring at me and she's kind of scaring me. <laughs> <laughs> and they all just turn around to look. Yeah. But he basically said, she's like, don't you remember what you said? And he's like, a little bit. And he goes, no, nah, I couldn't have been sure. He probably remember what he I said. I was boggled. He probably could remember Hermione. And he was just like, no, nah, that wouldn't make any sense. I was no. boggled. That's probably not true. What happened? Hermione's like, yeah, boggled. Yeah, and so she just continues the uh, letting the letting the secret be kept and everything. So, um, let's see. And that's uh, whenever. Yeah, so Katie, Katie Bell. Bell walks in and she looks at Draco and Draco um, runs away. Harry follows. Looks him. guilty. Yeah, looks like he's done something. And in the book, we find out that Draco's actually been going to the yes. the girls' restroom. Yes, talking to Moaning Myrtle. Somebody hangs yes, out. and that's that's something else that I wrote down the is that she was Myrtle. talking. So, he was so talking to Moaning Myrtle. Take us Myrtle. through this then. 
That's all I remember. <laughs> I just know that uh, <coughs> I guess, you know, he had been talking to Moaning Myrtle for whatever reason. And uh, yeah, I think Henry, or Henry, gosh. She kind of developed feelings Harry, for Malfoy, too. Yeah. I think Harry walked in and he was starting he was to eat. He was saying, uh, he's eavesdropping I, on I messed him. up, I'm in trouble, and all this kind of stuff. But then he walks in in the, in the movie and is like, yeah, I know you're the one that did that to Katie, and they immediately start fighting. Yeah, uh, they go back and forth until Hen- Harry remembers the spell that he read in the Half Blood Prince's book, and it says four enemies, and that's all it says: Sectumsempra, four enemies. And I'm pretty sure Sectumsempra is used somewhere else in another movie that shouldn't have been. You know, sometimes these these like when when Lucius Malfoy was about to Avada Kedavra Harry yeah. right outside Dumbledore's office, they were like, That was never supposed to happen but Lucius like heard from his niece like a good spell and he thought it would be good. Yeah. So he tried to Avada Kedavra and like I don't think the director knew any better. So they just left it in and there uh-huh. was Lucius almost killing Harry right outside Dumbledore's yep. office. Yep. The dumbest death death eater, which he pretty much is. So he shoots the Sectum Semper spr- uh, uh, spray. curse, spray, whatever, <laughs> at uh, Malfoy, and he is, oh shit, what did I just do? He sees blood start soaking Malfoy's shirt, and I think the way that the book describes it is just like several slashes across the chest, which really like slice it open and cause him to bleed a lot profusely so it starts soaking his shirt in the book moaning myrtle wails and freaks out and goes and gets snape she goes to get help and snape happens to be nearby and so he comes in thank god because he's probably the only one that knows how to reverse his own bloody horrible smell uh, smell Smell. (laughs) spell and uh he doesn't thank god he was there because he he, you know he made the unbreakable vow if he would have died there he would have been screwed snape would have died too and then the whole plan would have been screwed oh my god yeah i mean dumbledore would have been like what do i do now because i got like two months left (laughs) (laughs) i better catch somebody else up quick Uh uh-huh who can i turn of the death eaters i gotta turn one of them so i can stop yeah Um, so he walks in he sees Malfoy he looks at Harry and you know he's always kind of talked bad about Harry but this is the first time he's actually seen Harry do something truly terrible you know actually terrible and I think Snake uh, Snape Snape is shocked in this moment because as much crap as he talks about Harry deep down he knows that yes he has James in him but he also has Lily in him too so he has that kindness somewhere, even though he doesn't want to see it. He has that kindness in there somewhere. And I think this whole time when he's always saying he's lazy, he's blah, 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 he hates some stuff like that, he knows that Harry's not truly a bad person. But when he sees this, he's like, I guess he has some darkness in him. You know, maybe he is a bit, you know, maybe he's been affected by Voldemort or something. He was, he seemed genuinely shocked. He did. That he Harry like, would do something shit. like that. And part of it may have been, as he looked down and saw what it was, like, oh, this came from, oh, he must have read that book. Okay. And so he had to fix it real quick. Now, in the book, it's a lot different. In the movie, they got to give Ginny her time, you know, to, to hook them up and everything. Because really, in the book, their first kiss was um, Harry got suspended from playing Quidditch for the rest of the year because... Um, of what he did to uh, to Draco, and so he was at, he was sitting in the dormitory 
when they were playing the game. He thought they were going to lose. Suddenly, they all burst in. They won the cup. Ginny ran right up to Harry, give him a hug. And because it was such an exciting time, they just looked at each other and they kissed. Mm -hmm. And and it was a long enough kiss for everybody who was celebrating to suddenly go silent and watch. And, like, uh, Lavender was horrified. Not Lavender. I'm sorry. Um, uh, uh, Romilda was horrified. Mm -hmm. Um, Dean was pissed. Uh, Ron was kind of, you know, Hermione was like, I knew this was happening. Mm -hmm. And uh, Ron was like... Okay. Okay. Yeah, that's, that's fine. That's better than Dean yeah, Winchester. Yeah. I'm I'm good with that. If it's if it's got to be somebody, she can be single her whole life. But if it's got to be somebody, it's Harry. Okay, yep. I'm fine with that. Right. So there's some acceptance there. But in this in this uh, story, um, he goes up there with Ginny, and she, he's like, "Oh, it's the room of requirement." Like he didn't know where they were going, mm-hmm. um, and she hides it, and then she comes back and gives him a kiss and says, "I can stay hidden up there too if you'd like." And then she just disappears. Right. But in the book, he actually takes it up there himself and decides to hide it. But for some reason, he wants to know where he hid it. Instead of just chucking it somewhere saying, I hope I never see this thing again. He wants to see it. So I don't know why he's holding on to it. But what does he put it by? I don't know. He again. goes in there and he he's, he finds this like bust of like a statue thing. He's like, okay, here, there's this uh, there's this diadem tiara thing here. Okay, I'm gonna put it by here. What oh, did he just touch? The uh, he touched the Horcrux and he didn't even know it, which is weird because usually when he touches them, he can feel a connection yeah. or something, right? It's not always with the ring. It happened in this movie, but he touches the rest of them and it's fine. He is actually wearing one of them. But um, but it's interesting that he just like we see that 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 tiara and it's like nothing right now and that's where he hides the book next to it. becomes much more important to movies from now. Mm-hmm. So he decides to have the liquid luck and try that in getting Slughorn Secret right. So he goes there and he take he takes the liquid luck or you know just a swig of water is what it looks like. But in the in the movie he drinks the whole thing right. Yeah. He doesn't do that in the book. Do you remember what he does in the book? All right. We'll leave that for a second. He drinks a little bit of it and saves it. Uh, in the uh, book, he just leaves and is like, okay, we had this whole plan, but I'm going to Hagrid's hut. Mm-hmm. And so he goes to Hagrid's like hut. the place to be tonight, it's you know? The real place to be, you know? He finds Slughorn on the way and mentions he's going down to Hagrid's. Slughorn's not happy about it, but he's kind of like, okay, I guess we'll go this way, he's you know, trying to keep him stuff. safe or whatever. Um, Adam Pomfrey's uh, little greenhouse. Yeah. And then we, uh, I don't know why, but I wrote this down. You know, why does the Felix change his personality? I don't know. Maybe it just makes him act in a certain way that gets him to his goal. Right. I don't know, but it's it's weird. Maybe this is what Daniel Radcliffe didn't like about his acting. But um, he goes down and guess who's dead? Aragog. Poor Aragog. He looks so much smaller he did. dead than he did in the second movie. But if you ever notice, when you have a spider and it's all spread out like that, and you spray it with stuff and kill it, it kind of shrivels up and shrinks yeah. its legs. I know so that. It just, I don't know. It's just like, even just like, the, I know they get bigger as they like are, you know, alive, right. obviously, but... Um, well, yeah, what am I telling you? You know more about animals than I do. <laughs> no, Especially just, spiders and snakes and stuff. Not the spiders. I don't mess with them. They're oh, shit. Gross. So he goes out there. Of course, Slughorn never misses an opportunity. He gets some venom off of that. And they start singing a song. Poor Haggard. This is the only time we see him during this movie, too. Now, they get into the hut. And, yeah, he says, pincers. 
Mm-hmm. Um, they get into the hut and they're singing the song. It's and it's all the lyrics verbatim from the book. Um, and obviously Haggard falls asleep and that's his contribution for the movie. <laughs> you know, uh, Robbie Coltrane said, "I'll take my nine ten million dollars and go home after a work uh, a day's worth of work mm-hmm. or whatever it is." So. Um, so they starts to, uh, uh, you know, and as in his drunken stupor, uh, uh, Slughorn tells Hagrid, you know, he's like, you know, things happened, and it's like such a sad song, and he, uh, he's like, you know, I had this fish once, and it just disappeared one morning. I came, and it was gone. But you know, that's life. <laughs> you know, yeah. it's like, what does that mean? <laughs> what does that mean? That's life. And right about then, Hagrid falls asleep. Now, this story I thought was absolutely beautiful. It's so cute. But I don't think it's in the book. I think this was made for the movie. And correct me, listeners, if I'm wrong. But he said... It was a student who gave me Francis. On a spring afternoon, I discovered a bowl on my desk. Just a few inches of clear water in it. Floating on the surface was a flower petal. As I watched, it sank just before it reached the bottom. It's transformed to a wee fish. Just beautiful magic, wondrous to behold. The flower petal had come from a lily. Your mother. The day I came downstairs, the day the bowl was empty, was the day your mother. And he told, he told Harry, he's like, I know what you're here for. I, I can't give it to you. It'll ruin me. You know, that's what, that's what Slughorn's been after, right? Mm-hmm. You know, he's been after fame and glory through other people's achievements and being the guy that knows everybody. This would ruin all his context that he was the one who did this. But Harry, and he knows this, I think, Harry and Dumbledore aren't interested in telling everybody. They just need the information. For themselves. Yeah, and so for that reason, Harry tells him about how she died and how she saved him. And he said, please don't think less of me. He's like, be brave like my mom. You know, otherwise she died for nothing. Otherwise she died nothing. Otherwise the bowl stays empty. And so he says, "Please don't think bad of me." And he pulls out the the uh, the memory. The memory. Now this is one of those things I was telling you about. The non-tainted memory. We talked about this before. The liquid luck. When at the beginning of the story, he said. Only one other person had won this, before, had made a a draft of death or whatever so perfectly that they were able to win the the the, the liquid luck. Who was it? Snape or Lily? That's what I thought. Um, Slughorn told Harry. He said he felt really regretful and didn't know why he told Tom Riddle what he told him. Hmm. Who do you think won the liquid luck? Probably Tom. And how do you think Tom used it? 
Uh, to get him to tell him about, about these horcruxes. The or about the horcruxes. Oh. Right? Oh, my God. Right? When I figured that out, I was like, holy shit. Because I didn't even it, think about that. It mirrors this whole thing. And this movie is all about mirroring all these experiences. And he made a point to say only one person has won this. Automatically, you think it's either Lily, who's a great student and one of his favorites, or it's Snape, who wrote that book. Mm-hmm. Right? But just because he wrote the book didn't mean he wrote it when he had the opportunity to do that. Maybe he wasn't as good at potions. But who would have been just perfect at everything that he did? Who would have used that? Because otherwise, when would Snape or Lily have used that? Right. You know? No good time. No good time to point out that one other student had used it unless we're thinking of one student that would have a purpose in using it and would have a purpose of using it in this movie. You notice how he was telling Tom when they got the real memory, it seemed like he wanted to stop talking. Yeah. He's like, he was like, uh, he keep kept going and kept going. And it's like, you're like, okay, he's not going to tell him that. And he kept telling him, you're like, okay, well, he's not going to tell him the next thing. And, and Tom kept pushing it and pushing it. I guarantee you, he had some of that liquid luck when they left. He took some, went back in and then ding. I was in the library the other night, in the restricted section, and I read something rather odd about a bit of rare magic. It's called, as I understand it, a Horcrux. I beg your pardon? Horcrux. I came across the term while reading, and I didn't fully understand it. I'm not sure what you were reading, Tom, but... But this is very dark stuff, very dark indeed. Which is why I came to you. A horcrux is an object in which a person has concealed part of their soul. But I don't understand how that works. One splits one's soul and hides part of it in an object. By doing so, you are protected should you be attacked and your body destroyed. Protected? Part of your soul that is hidden lives on. In other words, you cannot die. And how does one stretch his soul, sir? I think you already know the answer to that, Tom. Murder. Yes. Killing rips the soul apart. It is a violation against nature. Can you only split the soul once? For instance, seven. Seven? Merlin's beard, Tom. Isn't it bad enough to consider killing one person? To rip the soul into seven pieces? This is all hypothetical, isn't it, Tom? All academic. Of course, sir. But I just thought that was so cool to come to a realization where you obviously go to these other two that that won it, but it's so in your face obvious that it was Voldemort who did it, and that's how he was able to get it, and he did it the exact same way that Harry had to do it to manipulate him. That's crazy. It's just so cool. I love J.K. Rowling. (laughs) I know, right? Um. So he gets the memory, and they go, and they find out that um, um, he told him all about Horcruxes, 
He told him how to do them, how to make them, all that kind of stuff. So he, what he explains is that horcruxes are magical objects that one hides part of their soul into. Okay, so these are very important for the final story of, of Harry Potter in the next book. What we find out is that Voldemort was interested in making horcruxes. And after they come out of the thing, Harry asked him, do you think he was successful? And Dumbledore says, oh, yes, I think he was quite successful. And remember in the vision, he said, for example, if one were to make seven and Horace goes seven, why would you want to split your soul into seven pieces? And because in the war, in the magic world, seven is a powerful number. So he wanted to be as powerful and as potent as possible. So Dumbledore is like, I think that it happened because it could leave an imprint on, say, a ring, and he shows him that ring, and that's the same ring that when Tom is asking uh, Slughorn about Horcruxes, he looks he's at playing it, it. He's playing with it. And he's got it. At that time, he had already murdered Morphin and his grandfather, yeah. I believe. And that's what I was asking you. What? If whenever he killed that guy if that's how he made the horcrux it might have been um i i don't know if he did it in time enough because i know he killed them just because he he wanted the ring and mm -hmm. he didn't want them around anymore he wanted to be the only heir of slytherin around could he have made something i don't know he probably killed somebody else and used that magic to make that ring because i think that he killed them his remaining family members and i can't remember i'm pretty sure morphin was the main one that he killed he might have killed marvolo too um but that was in that's why his name is tom, tom marvolo riddle um but um he killed them but i don't think he did that but once he did make that into a horcrux he did go back to that shack and hide it under the floorboards because that's where he came from that place was important mm -hmm. that's where his family was at least um so we find out that voldemort has made those he showed him the ring and he showed him the diary and so he's like we find out that tom riddle's diary um that was, uh, and we don't know where it's been all this time. Lucius had it. We know that that's the last person we knew that had it um, before he brought it to Jenny and them. But um, as Harry goes to reach for the uh, the ring, it kind of stands up and spins like there's a connection. And Harry does the little neck, neck uh -huh. cricking thing. And so we understand. Th I think that's kind of more of confirmation for Dumbledore that something's, something's off he was about just Harry. Like, huh. He's just like and you see as he's cricking his neck you know maybe leaving traces on harry right so but anyways we know he's uh made six horcruxes okay um because he has his main soul and then the six horcruxes and that would be seven times now there's something that was the seventh horcrux that he never intended to make but we can get into that next next right. one um but uh two of them have now been destroyed tom riddle's diary and marvolo gaunt's ring um so he finds out they uh he tells harry i found another one would you like to go with me to get it and destroy it and harry's like yeah hell yeah let's go mm -hmm. gee uh before they do you hear Sna uh snape and dumbledore they're arguing and snape's like i don't want to do this anymore and uh, dumbledore's like i don't care you promise so now when i asked you about the felix felicius um and whether he drank it all um Harry had a weird feeling that the school, that Malfoy was going to try something. Mm -hmm. Okay. 
So he went ahead and he split the Felix with Ron, Hermione, and Ginny. And because those are the ones that meant the most to him and said, please patrol the halls, make sure nothing crazy happens while we're gone. Because I think that Malfoy is going to try something. So he actually gave the rest of his his stuff. And when everybody attacks and all that happens, um, I don't know if you remember this, but the the liquid luck, um, it actually saves Ginny and, and Hermione and Ron from like certain spells, just barely, you mm-hmm. know. So it actually keeps them alive when the, the, the Death Eaters um, attack. But um, so they disapparate and they go up to that rock place. And that's the, the, there's a, a Horcrux there because of... Um, it meant something to him growing up in that orphanage. They go in. What do we find? It's a big crystal cave. There's crystals everywhere, you know, because it's called Crystal Cave. Crystal Crave? Um, and uh, they are up on the... I'm so tired, I can't think. Okay, <laughs> we're almost there. They're up on the on the rocks and everything. Um, or the crystals... And uh, Dumbledore shoots like a light over across to like locate yeah. where they're, I'm guessing, where they're supposed to be. There's a lot of steps to get to it, right? Yeah. But the basic gist is they got to get a boat. They got to get over to this island. What's on the island? Uh, a bowl. A bowl. <laughs> and at the bottom of the bowl, uh, Dumbledore thinks it's... The Horcrux. The Horcrux, right. So um, Dumbledore automatically realizes what this is, and he's like, <laughs> your eyes are blinking so slow. Um, <laughs> he realizes what it is, and he's like, okay, I have to drink this to get it out. You can't just dump it out. This is something that has to be consumed. You have to go through a process. And no matter what happens, you have got to keep me drinking this. Mm-hmm. No matter what I say, no matter what I do, you promised me before we left that you would listen to everything I say. Now do as I say and make sure I drink this. And he goes, all right, man. Professor. <laughs> Professor. Professor. Can you hear me? You have to keep drinking like you said, remember? It will stop, Professor. It will stop. But only, only if you keep Please. drinking. Don't make me. I'm sorry, Don't. sir. Kill me! No. Oh. This is my fault. This is my fault. What this stuff does is it makes you relive your worst nightmares. And we could talk more about this next episode, but suffice to say, Dumbledore has had some pretty bad nightmares. He's living his, reliving his worst enemy, and he's screaming out in agony saying, please don't hurt them. Hurt me instead. You know, please don't hurt them. Don't involve them. It's all my fault. It's all my fault. It's all my fault. And then he reaches out to Harry and he screams at him. He's like, kill me. Mm-hmm. Kill me. Because he can't bear to go through this pain anymore. He wants to hit Harry to kill him. But Harry can't. Harry keeps forcing him to drink the drink. Keeps forcing the drink down his throat. And at the end, there's a locket. He grabs the locket, oh, puts no. it in his pocket, and Dumbledore is weak. 
and he needs some water. Harry tries to get some water, but he can't get it out of the bowl, so he goes to the the little lake thing that they had to travel across, and as soon as he touches the water, the inferior came out. Man, Henry jumped so bad at that <laughs> part, didn't he? Yeah. Where is he? He just went out. What is he, what's he doing? I'm being um, silly. So they, and that's when he swirls his big fire around, and he saves Harry's life, and they so get out awesome. of there. And uh, they uh, quickly disapparate back to the school. And as they get to the school, he has him go get Snape. But uh, Snape is already on his way. Draco comes in, and he disarms Dumbledore. And um, Henry, or Harry is hiding, and Dumbledore tells him, no matter what, don't come out. Do as I say. Trust me. Good evening, Draco. What brings you here on this fine spring evening? Who else is here? I heard you talking. I often talk aloud to myself. I find it extraordinarily useful. Have you been whispering to yourself, Draco? Draco, you are no assassin. How do you know what I am? I've done things that would shock you. Oh, like cursing Katie Bell and hoping that in return she'd bear a cursed necklace to me. Like replacing a bottle of mead with one laced with poison. Forgive me, Draco. I cannot help feeling these actions are so weak that your heart can't really have been in them. Trust me. I was chosen. I shall make it easy for you. Very good. Very good. You're not alone. There are others. The vanishing cabinet in the room of requirement. I've been mending it. Let me guess. It has a sister, a twin. Borgen and Burks. They form a passage. Ingenious. Draco. Years ago, I knew a boy who made all the wrong choices. Please let me help you. I don't want your help. Don't you understand? I have to do this. Kill you. He's gonna kill me. And so now he's kind of like Lucius. He's just worried about his own life, you know. And now he's just like stuck in this, in this horrible thing because he's just a kid, and his father's now exposed him to all this. Look what we have here. Well done, Draco. Good evening, Bellatrix. I think introductions are in order, don't you? Love to, Elvis. But I'm afraid we're on a bit of a tight schedule. Do it! He doesn't have the stomach, just like his father. Let me finish him in my own way. No! The Dark Lord was clear the poison to do it. The, the uh, other Death Eaters come in, they've got him all cornered and all that kind of stuff. And who comes in? Snape. Snippity Snape. No. <laughs> Uh, this is an 
other thing, the last thing that I remember from the book is that um, Dumbledore, I don't know if he used Petrificus Totalis, but I know that, I feel like I remember Hen Henry, Harry being frozen so that he couldn't stop what was going on. He was, because I think he was under the, he told Harry to get under the invisibility cloak and get to down below. And then I think he felt something happen to him where he was, maybe he was Imperioed or something. Maybe. But yeah, you're right. He was frozen and he couldn't move. And that's why there was no interaction between him and Snape in the book. Right. Uh, but in the movie, you know, Snape comes up to him and he's like, shh, don't do anything. I'll be right back. It's like, this is for you. I promise I'm on your side. Yeah. Uh, no, but he goes up. But yeah, and then I think as soon as obviously Harry could move again, he makes the logical conclusion that the person who froze him is probably not live anymore so we sneeze, see snape coming around and everybody's kind of watching to see what snape will do and um dumbledore just says please severus or he says severus please and it almost makes you think like you know the first time you're watching it please help me like please don't do this you know he he's severus, pointing his wand please. at him and you're like Oh my God, he's gonna, he's gonna, like, what is he doing? Like, he's saying, you know, he's begging for his life, yeah. but you find out that's not the case. And he says, Avada Kedavra. And he, Avada Kedavra's uh, Dumbledore right off the tower. Dumbledore falls to his death. And that is the end of Albus Percival Wilfric Brian Dumbledore. Mm hmm after and that's I when, think he's like 150 years old or something like that yeah and that's when you know uh, Bellatrix shoots the the dark mark into the sky right and then uh, Snape grabs Draco and they all hightail and he it looks terror he looks terrified yeah and, uh, and then they make it over to Hagrid's and hut. I think that he looks so terrified because he's like oh god Dumbledore's gone yeah. now what are we gonna what do what are we gonna do we're all screwed <laughs> which is probably everybody's sentiment but they get to Hagrid's hut and he gets called a coward again Snape does mm -hmm. he said fight back you coward fight back who said that Harry yeah 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 he said fight back and uh, how could you and all this kind of stuff and then he tried to use the Sectum Sempra uh, Snape got all the other death, death Eaters to run away and he's like you know I'm the Half-Blood Prince don't use my own spells against me yeah and this is something that I wish was more explained in the movie as to why he went by Prince, and that's because I think his mother's maiden name was Prince. Prince, right. So, and his father, who was a normal person, uh, he wasn't a, a, a wizard, just a human or whatever. His name was Snape. Yeah. And so, technically, his name is Snape, but he went by Half-Blood Prince because he was proud of his mother's heritage. Yes. And that, yes, that is correct, and that's why he went by that name. Uh, so we find out that Snape is the one that's very good at potions, the one that uh, made up the Sept Sectum Semper spell, all that kind of stuff. They all shoot their wands in the sky to clear the dark mark. I'm bawling my eyes out. And uh, But it's almost like a tribute thing, and uh, Dumbledore is dead. Uh, Harry picks up the locket. I love how he perfectly fell on his back, yeah. and he's just, he looks so peaceful, like... I don't think that would happen yeah. in real life. And, you know, Harry came out of nowhere when that happened. So I wonder if people, like, like they didn't know that he was there when he died. So people are probably just wondering, like, like they don't know what's going on. They see Dumbledore dead. Harry just comes out of nowhere and collapses on him. They're like, oh, Harry's trying to make it about himself again. <laughs> you know, Dumbledore's dead and Harry's still trying to take the spotlight and be like, I'm so sad I got to hug his body while you guys all stand there and watch us uh -huh. and everything. So, yeah. I want to know, like, who alerted maybe someone saw him fall it's probably yeah because i mean in the book it happened everybody gathered around yeah. and saw it and everything someone so just heard him yeah 
So um, in the book, they go to they immediately go to the office. That's where Harry tells everybody that Snape did it, and McGonagall can't believe it. She's like, "We all suspected, but Dumbledore swear uh, swore that you know we we could trust him." And I think even. Um, uh, Kingsley or somebody like that was saying um, Dumbledore always operated on the, the thing where he had ironclad proof that Snape was on their side, which he did, but Snape swore him to secrecy, remember? Yep. Which we find out more about later. But um, so Dumbledore's got his own little portrait hanging up in the headmaster's office, and that's going to stay asleep for quite some time now. Yep. Um, because he has to stay out of the events to come now. Uh, Harry swears he's going to go after uh, the rest of the Horcruxes with, you know, by himself. Of course, Ron and Hermione say, no, that's crap. We're going to go with you. So let's talk about the locket, because the last thing we really end this movie with is them talking about the locket. And what do we find out about the locket? That it's a fake, and there's a little note that's inside of the locket, and it was, you know, saying, like, to the Dark Lord, you know, by the time you read this, I am probably dead or something like that. I have stolen the real uh, Horcrux and I intend to destroy it. And it's labeled from, or it's from someone um, initialed R.A.B. To the Dark Lord, I know I will be dead long before you read this, but I want you to know that it was I who discovered your secret. I have stolen the real Horcrux and intend to destroy it as soon as I can. I face death in the hope that when you meet your match, you will be mortal once more. R.A.B. I want to talk about this now because we're not going to talk about it much next episode. Um, R.A.B. is Regulus Archerus Black. Yep. Okay, so it's a it's it's Sirius's brother. It's his older brother, and um, and it's the one that Slughorn was talking about early in the movie. You know, he said he got Regulus, but he never got to teach Sirius. So Regulus, uh, after Sirius left the Blacks and was disowned, basically, he was sad that his brother was gone, all that, and he kind of threw himself into the dark arts, became a follower of Voldemort and all that. It's never mentioned in the book what happened, but somewhere along the line, R.A.B. was like, I can't do this anymore. Maybe it was just too violent. Maybe it was too much. Whatever happened, he couldn't do it anymore. Um, Back in the day... uh, Voldemort came to Regulus and he said, I need something, a servant, your servant. So he gave him Creature, mm-hmm. which we've seen the last uh, in the last movie. So he gave him Creature and Dumbledore, uh, Dumbledore, Voldemort took Creature to that cave where that locket was and had him drink the poison to see if it would work and put the locket under there, refilled it. And then whenever he said, I need help or whatever, you know, Creature wanted to be taken back to his master, Regulus, and all that. Because Creature loved Regulus. Mm -hmm. And Voldemort just laughed at him and left him in that cave for dead. Um, Creature never explained how he got out, but he got out. He's like, my master told me to go with Voldemort and come back, so I came back. Can't he just do what Dobby did? Pretty much. He used magic, but, like, Voldemort left him there for dead. But but before Regulus left, or before Creature left, Regulus was like, go with him, do whatever he needs to do, and then come back. So Mm -hmm. he thought he was coming back. So he left him there, and then when he found out what he did, after Regulus started to turn on him, he goes, Creature, take me to the cave that Voldemort took you to. And so he went to that cave. So Creature was the reason that they were able to, the real Horcrux was able to be destroyed. Mm -hmm. Not destroyed, taken, before Mundungus took it. Um, 
so Creature went there and uh, with with Regulus, and he told Regulus what happened. And so Regulus said, okay, this is what we're going to do. I'm going to drink this potion. Once I do, you're going to take the locket out. You're going to put this, this fake locket in there. You're going to take this home, and you're going to destroy it. Do you understand me? And Creature's like, well, why can't we go together? He's like, shut up. Just do what I say. Go home and destroy the locket, and don't tell anybody in the family what you did with me. Do you understand? He goes, yes. Regulus drank the poison, drank it, drank it, drank it, took the locket, gave it to Creature, put the fake one in there, and then he needed water. And he needed water so bad he jumped in the water. And the Inferi pulled him down, and that was the end of Regulus Black. And Creature didn't know what to do, so we went home and he tried to destroy it, and we'll get into that later. Um, But it was a really cool, interesting thing. We've seen Creature now, we've seen R.A.B., and uh, now we kind of get a little sense of the urgency so we end the movie with there are horcruxes out there he made six we have two destroyed we have the ring and the diary destroyer that means there's four more out there we know what one is one is the locket what are the other three mm-hmm. and that's what we'll discuss on the next episode i really like this movie do you yeah i do i do i like it a lot i had a unique lighting structure too it like it felt like everything was kind of warm and fuzzy I liked it a lot. It made me cry. I've seen all these movies so, so many times, and it's like every time I tell myself I'm not going to cry, but what every time I do. What death makes you cry the most? Mm. <sighs> Probably. Mm. Serious? Want serious, and I can't. I don't know if I want to... Serious and something in the Deathly Hallows. Yeah, some okay. it's someone that you know. It's not. He, he was a big part of the story. Huh. Ah. Uh, yeah. That. That made me. Cry. It was a lot more dramatic in the book. Yeah. Yeah, but it was very quick in the movie, but we'll that def- still made me cry. So I was like, we'll definitely talk about it. And then there's the obvious one, Deathly Hallows, but we don't need yeah. to talk about that. Right. Else, <laughs> okay, they'd be like, oh, <laughs> you would You probably wouldn't even cry much. Well, you'd probably get a little teared up at the death, but then the retelling of his, of the story of his yeah. story and his past and everything. Yeah. Then you'd just be like, what? yeah. What's your favorite part of this movie? Hmm. Hmm. I can't think right now. Let me see. Let me think. Um, probably, probably the end when um, he uh, is explaining to Hermione that he's gonna, you know, finish what Dumbledore started, and he's probably not gonna be at school much. She's like, I've always admired your courage, Harry. Be so Sometimes you can be so thick. Uh huh. That's a good one. Meanwhile, Ron's in the background for some reason. Yeah, it's weird. My favorite is basically from the time when he gets up on the tower and he's like, that the music is like, doom 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 doom, and you know, and it's like, you must do everything I say. Do you understand? If I say hide, you must hide. If I say run, you run. You know, all that. Yeah. Kind of, you're like, I oh. like those parts too, but I just know what it's leading up to, and it's depressing. Yeah, <laughs> I know. get sad. But that whole thing and the whole looking for the stuff, because I mean, you read this stuff in the books, and it's so cool to see it put to screen and everything. Right. So you know that obviously, you know Snape's um, 
Snape's conundrums and different things. I like the divisions and seeing Voldemort as a young person, seeing him manipulate uh, Horace and that horror. I mean, even you could you you felt like Horace was just being like manipulated and he's mm-hmm. like he couldn't help it. And he I was maybe. You, yeah. Guarantee you that was the Felix. That's so, cool. Anyways, um, I really enjoy this movie. We Me got too. two more left to go. We really have one story left to go, split into two parts. Um, but uh, me and me and your uh, your uncle will go ahead and take care of that, yeah. and uh, maybe I'll call you sometime. Maybe we can try to get a little bit. Of, I'll ask you a couple of questions. Yeah, so if we can get definitely. Some insights from you. And definitely, so. that'd be awesome. All righty. Um, anything else to say about this movie? I don't think so. Uh, there is one thing I do want to point out. Actually, right. is uh, when you know Bellatrix is just causing, just just destroying things. It's just unnecessary. In Hogwarts. Yeah, it's just. It's just ridiculous. And uh, do you think that when this was all happening, like, McGonagall had everyone, like, in hiding? For the most part, like, most people were pretty much in bed when it happened anyways, or at least in their dorms. Yeah. You know, you had the random people out in the hallways making out, and that's when McGonagall was like, get in your beds, Mm -hmm. you know, everybody go back to your dorms, and all that kind of stuff. Dumbledore was gone. She knew Dumbledore was gone. And she knew that, I'm pretty sure she knew that Dumbledore was gone with Harry. So she, I think she knew something was going on and something that could have, you know, could be interesting. Right. Um, especially when every time uh, Dumbledore leaves Hogwarts, you feel like it's left exposed. Or right, whatever. definitely. But, and now they're forever exposed. Yeah. What are we going to do? Harry or Dumbledore is gone. We don't know what three or four different uh, Horcruxes are. Um, we don't even know where to start looking for them. We don't know how to destroy Horcruxes mm-hmm. right now. Dumbledore's dead. Snape's uh, gone off the reservation. Yeah. Um, what the heck what do we do? What are we doing? And nobody in the order is treating Harry with any type of respect that Dumbledore does. So Dumbledore treats him basically like an adult, kind of like a child, but, I mean, he respects him enough to get his opinion and to know that he's important whereas Lupin does a lot of poo-poo and I don't like yeah. that about his character yeah um, they had to do it but anyways great movie uh, yeah. visuals are great very sad ending I thought they did it the the book pretty good justice me too and I'm excited to move on to these last two movies and finish up these Heck yeah this story so really appreciate you coming out yeah, here and helping you us knock me out a few these, yep, these are my favorite we got to do three out of eight so mm-hmm. that's pretty good Heck we got yeah. to do your favorite and then your other favorite and then your other favorite Uh because these are your top threes right Uh well there you go so we got to do all those and i'm sure um that will wrap this up very well so uh, if you guys want to get a hold of us, we're on all social media at The Post Credit Podcast, except for Twitter or at The Post Credit. Our email address is thepostcreditpodcast at gmail.com. We have a website. It's www.thepostcreditpodcast.com, and we're on YouTube. Uh, we appreciate you guys listening, and we'll see you next time. Throw me a wand.
about you, Miss Granger. What exactly does your family do in the muggle world? My parents are dentists. They attend to people's teeth. Fascinating. And is that considered a dangerous profession? No. Although, one boy, Robbie Fenwick, did bite my father once. He needed ten stitches. 